Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who clearly killed his mother on a trip to San Francisco. <laughs> I am I am the Adam Glass, and you can't know that for sure because it happened off screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, 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 it's don't, in subtext. I don't, know. don't don't accuse me of anything you don't have the evidence for. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna get those sweet, sweet Corette paintings all to myself. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Over there for as little as a dollar a month can help keep us going. And for that dollar, you can act, get access to bonus content. We do a non-criterion film over there of uh, varying quality. Uh, sometimes it's stuff from the Eclipse collection or something that maybe should be in the Criterion collection. Sometimes it's stuff that should be in the Criterion collection, but only if your criteria for the Criterion Collection is, is like... Is the actual when, criteria for the Criterion Collection, which is yeah, apparently no criteria. Like when, right. No criteria whatsoever. Like when the uh, the guys in charge of programming the Criterion Collection just put in all the sci-fi movies they liked as a kid. Yeah. I saw uh, this in a double feature when I was 15. Yeah. I kissed a girl. Yeah. That's why it's in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> I have I have positive yeah, memories I, associated yes, exactly. the, with this movie. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, Similarly, uh, for movies, I have vague positive associations with. We watched Critters Two. We watched uh, Hudson Hawk. We yeah, watched, the best, the, uh, only the best. Um, I will say that I Network. do feel like we definitely veered a more high-minded trajectory recently with it. I feel like uh, the 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 which I was going to complain about. I was like, I was like, uh, I, today's was you good. say that, I but the last, last one, the last few. You say that, but the last one that actually posted was Footloose. So That's true. I forgot about Foot. <laughs> I may have blocked Footloose out. It is possible that I have removed Footloose from my memory. That makes sense, and that's fine. Um, anyway, so so yeah, we go back and forth. We do, we do. Sometimes we do a little more high-minded stuff. We've been on a kick so far this year. Footloose, accepting, um, and Kung Fu Hustle. We also recently I did. Know, I, but I, wait, uh, my complaints are not rational, Adam. Like, let's get know, let's be very clear here. I had to watch a movie that was. Both brilliant and annoying today. <laughs> that is fair. That was today. Uh, Pat, Pat's referencing uh, upcoming bonus episode here and elsewhere. A uh, the last collaboration between uh, Jean Pierre Gorin and uh, and Jean Luc Godard. Um, which yeah, it's it's our bonus episode coming up. You should uh, definitely subscribe. We'll be recording it because it's going to be an yeah, interesting conversation. We'll, yeah, we'll be recording it directly after we record this episode. And uh, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation, certainly. It is an interesting movie that accurately summed up. <laughs> yeah, it's really, which is, that's, that's the boilerplate <laughs> on it. Really, yeah. you don't Brilliant have to Brilliant and listen. annoying. Yes, yeah, but, but uh, very, yes. very, very much both at the same time. So as indicated by that short bit of conversation, we do have fun talking about the movies over there. Uh, Speak for yourself, but yeah, we, you Pat, monster. Pat is right. Point out, we have, we've done... We've done more documentaries in the last six months. I over generally there than we documentaries are actually one of my favorite which, things we do. Yeah. If you made it entirely documentaries, yeah. I would not complain a little bit. 
like even really right, at all. Right, right, because yeah. the reality of the matter is, is I never make document time for documentaries in my real life, like in my regular life. Yeah, but like every time I watch a documentary, I'm like, "That was fucking amazing." I need to watch more documentaries. We always do it so there's a themed list, and then the last choice is always Kazam, the 1996. Also a documentary. It's O'Neil, worth noting. Which a real event. yes, yes the the real life documentary about how Shaquille O'Neal is actually a centuries year old genie, uh, who will make it rain cheeseburgers if you ask him to nicely. And it won't even count as a wish because you didn't, no, you just, didn't say I, I mean, wish. I mean, it is the classic, the, the classic, how do you get out of the cave and, and all that, right? Like, you, yeah. I will trick yeah. the genie. Yes. You can trick the genie into making it rain candy and cheeseburgers uh, at the same time, which is unhygienic, but okay, I mean, whatever. to be fair, the, I, uh, you can't really, the cheeseburgers is insane because they all just hit the floor and you can't eat them anymore. It's, it's a warehouse. Right, right, it's right, disgusting. Right. The whole thing is fucked it's up. It's terrible. At least the candy's got wrappers. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so Kazam's like the 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 switch, the safety switch for all our which supporters. Which apparently nobody thinks is safe anymore because no one goes anywhere yeah. near it. Someone did. Someone did vote for Kazam. This oh, morning. really? But uh, I think yeah. we're goading them uh, into it. Frankly, at this point, all that's the one dollar mark. You get access to that new bonus episode. You get to vote on it. You also get access to all the old bonus episodes. There's, uh, I think, uh, fifty-seven up there right now. Uh, steadily marching to 60 over there. Um, and then beyond. A little above that. Yeah, and beyond. A little bit of that for people who can afford it and want to help us keep going a little bit more. Uh, there's a $5 mark, which gets you, obviously, access to those bonus episodes, but also gets you thanked on air. Thank you so much to our current $5 supporters, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer. Yes, thank you very much. A bit above that, our next tier is something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized note every month, and mail that off. Uh, we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you to our $10 and above supporters right now, Adam Speakerman, Tracy McGrath, Nina Bojnak, Patrick Yako, and Jason Westhaver. Thank you, guys. Everybody. So, so grateful to have you. If you want to check out those postcards without committing to the $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com. We can buy past postcards. It's postcards, it's greeting cards, it's stickers. Uh, occasionally, has some other materials, uh, and uh, yeah, you can see what we what we've done in the past. See if that's something you want, not just to have, but to have a, a borderline illegible note from me on the back of. I mean, that's the that's uh, the real selling point, which is really the selling honest. point, right? Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's all about the art. And real art is not straightforward, so you got a little do a little deciphering, figure out yeah, uh, figure out what word I meant to write. Um, <laughs> what what is that? What is that letter? Ooh, who knows? It's up to the interpretation of the reader. Indeed, indeed, death of the author. Uh, every every postcard I send is a little death on my end. <laughs> Please don't die, Adam. <laughs> We're all dying all the time, but it's fine. It is redbubble.com. You get it over there and search for Lost in Nigerian if you want to see our stuff. And thank you to everyone who has purchased anything through Redbubble, to everybody who's supporting us on the Patreon, and to everybody who's listening. We're so grateful to have you here. Pat, this yes. week we are talking about uh, another 2008 movie. Uh, we are We are firmly in the era. We talk about it with every 2008 movie at this point. Uh, but we are firmly in the era of Criterion where they have decided to try to put out more recently created movies. Yeah, so but we talk about it every time because it's like really kind of upsetting. Like it's yeah. not 
actually upsetting in like like in a really right. meaningful sense except for like we've gotten so used to criterion being almost entirely things that like were made long before we were born right and now it's like hey guys would you like to watch something that came out when you were when you should have been paying attention uh yeah 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 that you should have seen yeah if you weren't such a loser uh yeah no <laughs> right it's... right 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 yeah um too busy yeah, seeing it's... fucking marvel movies you big loser it's inter- yeah it's interesting. It's it's basically, if if I remember correctly, Criterion sort of started this trend in, I think, mid-2009, and we're into early 2010 now as far as release structure goes. And we're, you know, I, I think we're up to 10 2008 films in that time frame. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, it's not like they weren't doing this at all i mean the um right the, right um, right what what's what's his face the the person we always have really wes, weird conversations with. yes wes anderson, wes anderson is one. kind of like contemporary. Uh, and, and, and there have been others yeah armageddon was the the original dvd release of armageddon so you know that's way back in the first hundred uh first 50 even yeah and i think uh, the mirror stuff was all pretty much contemporary with when the movie we're fairly close to being contemporary with when the, the mir- movies were- the mirror one that we've seen so far uh, we'll get more mirror and air from further back in history. Okay, uh, okay. but, but yeah, yes. uh, yeah. They, it seems like they. It wasn't. It seems like though that they even sort of kicked that up a notch in like yeah. 2009, right? Like they're like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. This is going to be part of our thing from now on, right? And I think the mirror and air even. I think. Uh, I think might what we watched from mirror and air might have been 2001. It? it might okay. be 2008, but I think it is definitely like, post 2000. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and yes, yeah. yeah, there's just been an uptick of post 2000 in general, with 2008 right. particularly, um, which is uh, I don't know, it's interesting. Uh, I am definitely you know grateful to fill in what is obviously a uh, a hole in my film knowledge well, from that time right. period and, too. Yeah, and it's uh, a huge one for me because I was living here by then, and right, right, right. like we've talked about this before. There, there is there is a still very active um, sort of indie film scene in japan but like when you start combining sort of all the factors like well i would have to watch the movie with probably japanese subtitles which will not i am not that good of a reader let's be very clear here right and i certainly was not one in 2008 uh and you know it and then you probably have to go to a big city because they're not going to play at any of the 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 two like industrial sized cinemas that we have nearby you know what i mean when you add it all up i have not this is a I have a dearth of knowledge in well, this in this category. Which do you think is the easier prospect for you right now to uh, get a get a grasp of reading Japanese that you can do it well enough to read subtitles, uh, or to just learn French? I think learn you French. could just learn French. Uh, uh, I I will say definitively learn French. Yeah, mainly because like those subtitle people are in no way gearing this in my in my direction. There's French. a reason why children's films are never released with like subtitles yeah. here. French. They're always released with dubbing. French is a pretty easy language to learn if you already speak English. It's uh yeah, mostly I mean, based on of, the fact that I've shared that yeah. modern a lot English of cognates, yeah. Yeah. A lot of cognates, but also modern English syntax is basically borrowed from the French because the people who created modern English syntax thought that the French were fancy. So, um. <laughs> Ooh, check out these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just really like a matter of like in the end, like I kind of have to wait for like a criterion release or something right, like that right, to right, catch right, out right. most of these films. And, um, yeah. and even then you kind of have like, okay, well, I have to prioritize here because I can't make it through all of them. Right. It's impossible. 
Yeah. So this week, our 2008 film is Summer Hours um, from director Olivier Assayas. Uh, Olivier Assayas is... We'll see some more films from him moving forward. Uh, Irma Vep is one that I have I have seen bits of in the past that I find really interesting. Um, Irma Vep, uh, I won't talk much about it because we will watch it at some point. But uh, Maggie Maggie Chung is an actress um, who we've seen in In the Mood for Love, um, right? And we'll and we'll see in Police Story when we get to that point of the Criterion Collection. I didn't very Police Story was in the. Uh, it is it is I, a box set exciting. with Police Story one and two, I believe. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, but she also stars in Irma Vep, which we'll watch sometime in the distant future. I think even after Police Story, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, um, Irma Vep, after Irma Vep, after they made Irma Vep, uh, Maggie Chung and Olivier Sayas were married uh, for, for I think, about 15 years. Um, his most recent film that's in the Criterion Collection uh, is Personal Shopper, uh, which we'll watch in the distant future, too. But uh, you might have I never heard of shopper, yeah. uh, and then uh his dad was a screen li- screenwriter as well under the name Jacques Remy I feel like I know that name but I don't know why I know that name um also it was a pen name obviously because the man's last name is the same last name as his son uh Jacques Remy's uh birth name was uh Raymond Assayas um anyway Assayas Worked for Cahers de Cinema, uh, but not obviously not in right. the same era. Although as very the, funny that that's the case. Yeah, all the new wave guys did. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he started making movies in the mid '80s, um, and yeah, now we're uh, this one's 2008. Uh, so mid middle of his career, as far as time marching on goes, uh, a lot from what I've read, a lot of his films are sort of about youth. Okay. Uh, and uh, from what the man himself says in some of the bonus materials we've watched uh, for this, uh, is that a lot of his work is semi-autobiographical. So. I got to admit, when we started this one, I was a little afraid that it was going to be another movie about a middle-class, bougie family dealing with <laughs> middle-class, bougie problems. <laughs> I mean, it is. It It is that, too. It uh, is one of the things I am going to complain about yeah, today, yeah. as um, you might imagine, because it is it is the bougiest of problems. Yeah, but it does it does have some... I think ideologically yes. it has some other things going on that, yes, it does, that yeah. cushion that for us, at least. Uh, the background of this movie is a little interesting. Uh, the Museum d'Orsay, uh, which that's is... That's how a, you say it. I have uh, no that's how That's how I'm saying it. That doesn't well, I mean... Well, uh, I mean, it's better than what I would have said, which is basically nothing. I would refuse yeah. to say it because I embarrass me to say right, things wrong. Right. It's a museum in Paris on the left bank um, that... Uh, it's in an old railroad sta- railway station. It's a beautiful building, uh, just from even what we saw in the yeah. movie and in the bonus features. Totally. Um, but it was converted to a museum uh, in 1986. So for their 20th anniversary of being a museum, 
in 2006. Uh, Dorsey wanted to do something special. Um, and, you know, for that sort of anniversary, a museum might do uh, a special engagement or uh, give a give an up-and-coming artist a particular large sum of money or something to, to make something for them or whatever. Uh, but they decided to do a, a movie anthology. And the original idea, as I understand it, was that every movie would take place in the museum. And then it became a little looser that every movie might be inspired by the museum. <laughs> um, and then it was not a short film collection and instead a couple of feature films. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I so, like how they really they really got feature creep on this and just like yeah, kind of like yeah. lost the plot really hard. Right. So the first one that came out is Flight of the Red Balloon uh, by French Chinese director uh, Hu Sao Sin, who, which we will not see, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not in the Criterion Collection. Uh, and then this one uh, was the second one to come out of the two. There, there wasn't any more. Um, maybe they only found two directors who were willing to do anything. Or, or possible that, like, that when it became a full-length film instead of a feature-length film, they just blew through all their money. Well, I mean, obviously there's that. But I, I, I was thinking maybe they wanted to do an anthology but then only got two people to sign up for it. It's so possible. They're like, they're like, oh. Well, I guess like, we'll, give them more, like, oh, we'll just oh, give them just, more money. What the hell um, are you talking about, man? But yeah. Uh, so... So part of the concept of this movie is that uh, Musée d'Orsay is providing artistic material to the film. Um, uh, obviously, they're also providing set piece to the film. Well, specifically uh, in this one, because like that's sort of how the film sort of evolved out, right? Like, right, I mean, right, right, right. This is very. I don't know that like. I, when you talk about when they talk about it in the documentaries and stuff, it's not like they set out to do that when they commi started commissioning work, right? That's right. Sort of just right, how right. it kind of went. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, there. <laughs> there's also a very weird scene in the movie of uh, presumably real museum d'Orsay uh, curators uh, discussing. The uh, the materials in the movie, the the artistic right. materials in the movie, that just because they're like arguing whether or not uh, like they art should, nouveau has any value and stuff, right? Or if they should buy buy these uh, furniture pieces that uh, that one guy's very excited about getting, and they're actually museum pieces. Yeah, uh, that they already have. Yeah, and then yeah. they're like, "It's like, oh, that shit sucks, man." Yeah, and no, we're never yeah, gonna other, show that, right? The other guy's like, "Oh, they're always in storage," which makes me wonder if these particular pieces were stuff that were in storage that they pulled out for use in the movie as a means of getting them displayed. Well, it's kind of uh, weird, right? I think maybe, yeah, some of them might be, especially the yeah, the furniture pieces. The because um, interestingly enough, the 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 wall panels apparently like they had to have replicas commission because the museum was like basically no way and fuck these things are leaving this building <laughs> right 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 right, right, <laughs> right no right. way dude these are not going anywhere yeah yeah so some of the visual art within the movie is reproductions the furniture is not no uh, the furniture is just on loan from the from the museum uh and then a really interesting aspect of the art in this movie is that part of the plot of this movie is that this family has in 
a, a dead relative who was an artist. It is, it is oh, yeah, basically yeah, yeah. The, the movie is about what to do with that man's house as it has been inherited down the generations. Uh, and they completely fabricate it. I mean, this yeah, is a fictional totally man. Fake dude, yeah. But they show a lot of his artwork in the movie. And while another movie might just use other people's work and pretend this is the guy. Right. They commissioned someone to just make, well, or a team well, to just make this guy's art. <laughs> the whole story is really weird, right? Because, like, um, what's his name? I, I've already forgotten the director's name. My brain is blanking. Um, Asayas. Asayas. He, like, in the interviews with him, is talking like, well, I, you know, I was going to avoid, like, actually showing in the art except for the sketches because this person's, like, you know, it's like obvious. Like a lot of times, it's really obviously fake. This person, like when you do this, and this person doesn't exist. And I never got, I never could get a sense when I was watching the documentary. Like, when did you decide to actually just make a fucking art book of this person that doesn't exist? Like, right. because like he's talking in the interview, like, oh yeah, no, because it would have been obviously fake, and this person doesn't exist, and you would end up having to tie yourself to some specific mo- art movement. And that would have been problematic, and then, and then it's like, and then we're cutting over to the people who made the art book, and we're like, yeah, it was really tough work to like create yeah. hundreds of paintings that like are supposed to be masterpieces, but aren't like you know, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I guess at some point you decided not to go through with your plan and to in fact make right just, just make hundreds art. of art pieces, just, just do the thing to pay someone. Well, maybe maybe that point is when when they decided it was a feature length and there yeah. weren't going to be any more feature lengths as part of the project after this. Well, they we had just pay some artists. They had more, more money for the budget. <laughs> yeah. so maybe, yeah. It's just, it's very funny because those are not like, we, you know, we, it's very discongruous. It's like, I, uh, I mean, I saw the movie. I, I see the, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about, I say this, but okay, sure. Right. I guess you changed your mind at some point. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they created uh, at least seemingly everything that I mean, gets flipped through yeah. has to be fully fleshed out to a to an extent at least, right? So they've got three different sketchbooks that are all watercolor pages that they flip through. Uh, they've got the the catalog, the the anthology book on this guy's whole career that which they is supposed through, to be paintings, which well, is supposed to be paintings, but uh, yeah, yeah, which. Right, full-fledged oil-on-canvas paintings. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's just... And then they're like constantly talking about... It's, it's really fascinating. I mean, it is legitimately incredibly fascinating because they're like, well, they still are holding to the idea that, well, we don't want to tie him to any specific movement, so we kind of want to make him an enigma of his of the time right, period we've right. been operating. And, like, but, yeah, like, it, it's really fascinating. It's like, you know, I, this wasn't the first time I've ever watched a movie where, like, somebody commissioned an entire, like set of art pieces to like for this isn't the first movie i've encountered where this has happened like this thing's right. happened but this might be the largest scale one i've ever encountered it is in terms a of very just large amount scale. of output yeah, yeah like somebody made a lot of paintings yeah yeah i'd be very very interested to find out how much how much time money and effort uh because it from what i can gauge it was a lot of effort and a yeah. lot of effort implies a lot of time and money uh so well, and, and it's and really h- tough, right? Because whoever had to do that essentially had to ghostwrite, right? They had to like right. sign their like. I assume at this point, maybe they can show it as their like you know if they well, ever well, published a the, so you know. But 
right. things get weird around this kind of stuff, right? When you commission art for this kind of thing, hopefully everybody was very well. There's good there's, about it. There's two things in the documentary that that uh, that I find especially interesting regarding that. One, we have the two people sitting at the table talking to us about the creation of this work are obviously right. the people who did it. So yes, so absolutely. we see them and we can know their names. Um, but then we also have the museum people, I think, in, in maybe a separate one or the other. Because there's three bonus features on this DVD, and they're all behind-the-scenes documentaries. Uh, yeah. It's, it's I very, only watched the one because after yeah. I watched an hour, I was like, there's right. not a lot this person could say at this point. Right. That, like, again, I can't imagine. Yeah. So it must be the same one, actually. But uh, um, but we we later get uh, – or maybe maybe it is a different one, and it's the, uh, the appraiser. Uh, who? No, no, that's in that one too. Yeah. That's why I didn't watch any other ones. I was like, "There's no way right. that these other ones are not like basically right. smaller versions of the same thing." Because like this hey, is yeah, an hour yeah. long and it's right. very thorough. They they more or less were. Um, you're you're right that you probably didn't need to watch the others. Uh, but in any case, um, there's a point where the appraiser is talking about one of the oil paintings made for the film, attributed mm-hmm. to this fictional artist, uh, who. Uh, uh, it's basically like, oh, it's very pretty. Of course, it's it's worthless, and you can tell that it, it was rushed and, and XX. It's it's very, I don't know. I think that there is validity in how people discuss art like that sometimes. Uh, but it reminds me of people talking about wine. Where yes, I agree. I agree. Where the like when they suddenly get much... a little bit mystical about it, and you're like, yeah. "At what point did we just cross over to pure bullshit?" Yeah, there just wasn't there wasn't the care in this. You don't see the heart. Is essentially what he says. Uh, which right? Sure. Yes, you can you can definitely tell the difference between a masterpiece and a mass produced uh, oil painting that uh, is probably done by a robot at this point. <laughs> but uh, but. At the same time, just the way the way he talks about it metaphysically is very. Is it? It's more annoying than anything yeah. else, right? Like yeah. it's not even like it's not true. It's more right. that it's like yeah, but like you, you know, well, and that's the thing, right? Is that like not to go on like the the most tangent of tangents here, right? Is that like there's always that sort of thing where there's a lot of things to be considered there, right? Because partially, right, he he's not wrong, and you know it's. You can obviously determine things like that based on like brush brush strokes and stuff like that, and how. But then again, we always get into this thing where like it's almost impossible to tell the difference between artist intent and and like bad, like quote unquote bad production value, right? Like, right. You know, how do you define the difference between an artist who's very purposely doing very brief, like kind of incomplete brush strokes that are meant to look kind of rushed and fast? Versus an artist who is, I don't know, been commissioned to paint 200 paintings in the last, in like however X amount of time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like well, it, it's it's always got this sort of air. It, it is like wine tasting, right? It's like got a yeah. certain air of like, well. There is, I know there's also the fact that the particular image he is talking about is a pretty generic looking landscape. It is. It is. Uh, so it is like, absolutely that, but like, I mean, and that's listen, fine. Looking, looking at that compared to a Thomas Kincaid, you can definitely tell the difference. 
Uh, but uh, right, but but I would argue that then what he's looking at is not something mystical. Like he's looking at the fact that well, this is a pretty like basic subject. Like you didn't right. you didn't find anything that grabbed you here. You needed to produce a lot of work very quickly, and so like anything that had any any visual merit, you're like fucking okay, we're doing it. It's going on the page. It's going on there. We have to get this done. But that's a different thing, right? Than like being able to read the metaphysics of the <laughs> of the painting. Right. Right, like, right, oh, right. when I touch the painting, I could see, could see the past. Suddenly, it turns into a bad CBS drama. Like, oh, Indeed. I touch the painting, Indeed. and now I, now I can, I can see the artist at work. Just absorbed into it. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, the the particular movie, the particular painting he's talking about is one of the ones produced for the movie. It is, uh, it is. Very interesting hearing the artists and even that guy to an extent talk about the fine line they have to walk between creating something that's going to be on screen, maybe for just a few seconds, but it will be on screen enough that you need to be able, uh, you're talking about the artist who created this as a master. So it right. needs to, it needs to be good enough in just a quick splash to be, uh, to to not have your audience say, "Oh, that's not what a master would do," right. uh, <laughs> um, which, in all honesty, uh, I feel like there are easier ways to achieve that than to have him be a landscape painter. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Well, and also, if we're being a hundred percent honest, I okay. I my my problem with this argument, and I I'm not gonna fault the director or anybody else who went down this path, is that you've you failed to identify one of the key factors in a movie, which is suspension of disbelief. Right. Most right, of right, your right, right. viewers will just accept that this was a masterpiece, even if it looks like garbage, because yeah. that's what you do in movies. Right. Like it doesn't, and it seems like it's a thing born out of the fact that it's being produced by this this museum they like they feel like there's going to be extra criticism on them about yeah. such things and they're probably not wrong but like the people leveling those criticisms are wrong right if they existed you know what i mean like not to not to tell and people they're however, watching movies wrong but a person who watches a movie and decides that just because it's produced by a museum i need to afford extra scrutiny to the art featured in it is an asshole who's watching the movie wrong Right, right. And no matter how big the projection or high the definition, you're still not going to be able to examine the brush strokes that really are what Right, yeah, exactly. The, it's like you the know, small but, the small details of technique that are really what set apart master right. paintings from from you know And, and I suspect that it, they just got into their own head about that stuff, right? Because yeah. they're like, Oh no, we're a museum, these have to look like real paintings that like yeah, I think that's a master accurate. would do. And and Cool. I mean, I'm glad they did it. Kind of. I mean, certainly got some artists paid for a while, which is always nice. Right. Um, so, like, no, no qualms there. Although, I hope they got paid commiserate with the amount of work they had to put in because it seemed right. like it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but in the end, it's sort of like we didn't probably need to do. You probably just didn't need to do that. And and frankly, I think that's the same thing that that compels them to not just like buy the rights to present some other artist's work right. and just right. call it this new name. Like, oh, people will recognize that this is somebody else's art. It's like there are so many artists in the world. I promise you, the majority of your audience will not do that. Yeah, 
Some of I them just, will, and it'll just be the thing on the IMDb page. It's like, actually, did you know that the work displayed in this movie is not by this person, but actually by this person right, who is right, a right. minor Dutch painter? And, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, yeah. cool, I'm glad you gave the, the IMDb dudes something to do. Right. Uh, that's what always I, nice. What I really, really perverts. love about this movie is that at some point in production, and even having watched all three behind the scene things, including the one you watched, was per- really particularly about the art. Yeah. Uh, much more than the others. Uh, and having watched all of it, it is not clear at what point during production they decided uh, that they're going to show any of his art. And therefore, at what point during production, sometime after they decided to show any of his art, they decided to just shoot the moon. Yeah, yeah, to just like, like let the whole thing just go totally off there, the rails. Like just like There is no fucking no, do it, man. No reason that we need to flip through his catalog or three different uh, Right, exactly. Like it, it really is fascinating because then you start to like we're we are also kind of off the rails right now, but yeah. we get into this thing where it's like you could easily shoot this where like it's just a cover on a fake catalog that you just right, like right, they, right. she opens and we just don't show any pages in it like that's not hard people do that in movies all the time right there's a lot right. of fake books in movies like and they don't bother to write the fucking book right yeah so it's it's all it's all it's ambitious it's yes. i love i love ambitious world building in a movie i do yes that's, i do i do too that is i do why why I've spent so much time talking about this is just that I love ambitious world building and this does that uh in a way it, that's probably not wholly unique but is pretty No, unique. it is not. I mean like I have certainly seen countless movies with like paintings in them that were made for that. I mean right. and and it happens all the time, but this still seems like the biggest one I've ever seen in terms yeah. of just scale. It just seems right. ridiculous. It seems it seems I will not call it a waste of money because, again, some artists got paid to make a bunch right, of work right, right, and, right. like, good for them. And, like, they did good work and it's it's great. It's just, like, very strange decision making <laughs> seems right. to have happened. Yeah. Especially um, especially given that this is, aside from that, a family drama. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's not even that really is not the kind even of movie particularly that about that. the artist. No. Right. And, and even then, most of it's just in passing, right? Like, we right. never really engage. The book is the closest thing we get to, like, engaging yeah. with that art it for is, any extended period of time. It is about the legacy of the artist in as much, but only to the extent, that is actually about the legacy of collection in general. Yeah, about, about right? possession, about, like, yeah. about ownership. And, 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 I mean, they talk about it multiple times in the documentary about the idea of, like, of inheritance and like the idea yeah. of like how the things we have go somewhere when we die, right? Like they right. become somebody else's and what does that mean? And, and what value does it have to the person who gets it versus the person who had it before there's stories ingrained in those things that, that diminish and like gain new stories, but different stories over, over time as they pass to different people's hands. Um, right. And the old stories can just disappear. Yeah, and they just disappear, um, and, and that's fine, but also that's a thing that is, is remorseful for the people who possess those stories. Right? The mother is lamenting in many ways the fact that those things die with her. Right. And, right. and like, I get that. Like, that is a natural human 
thing to to yeah. think about and and worry about and and it takes a lot of mental growth to accept that like the stories that are important to you aren't necessarily important to the people who come after you and that you may not and that they won't all pass along and, and many of them won't and there's a lot there's a lot there the movie engages with a lot of very heavy subjects about what generational things what what generation means right right but it also engages with it with my one of my least groups of, favorite groups of people <laughs> right right because right. what it's talking about is also generational wealth right all those right. things that are stories are generational wealth yes uh and a lot of it like an but extreme it, amount of it but it is it is made by someone who at least is also annoyed by conversations about generation. Yeah, wealth. yeah. I mean, a guy, it is, a guy who is mindful of yes the class yeah. element of I will the story. He yeah, is it telling. is not. It is not made yeah. by somebody just ineptly just talking about this without this thinking is, about these things. Listen, uh, I mean, I, Whit Stillman would not make a movie like this for a lot of reasons, but this is not a movie about this class of people in the same way a Whit Stillman movie is about. Right. <laughs> this uh, yeah, class and, of I, and I get that. It's yeah. just it is it is mindful of that stuff, but like in being about that class of people, it yeah. always will just kind of annoy me. And it's even bit. maybe it's arguable real. that it's it's not really about the same class of people that Whit Stillman movies are about. Right. You know, these are these are people who have generational wealth, but it's it's possible that the the generation two above our mother who dies during the narrative was not wealthy. Well, we know that their grandfather was a doctor and and, oh, and, and that, that means is, different there's, things, there's, but like it, you know, doctor doctor didn't used to mean obscenely wealthy necessarily. Right. But, but this is still, a family that has been well enough, like well enough off for a long time, which is not necessarily right. a bad right. I'm not yeah. saying that people shouldn't be like in good, safe, decent positions right. in life, right? Like that's not my my argument yeah. here. And but like those things have all led to them acquiring quite a bit of of over the scheme of things generational wealth right they've just right. built up a great oh, deal yes. of in stuff inarguably we are talking about a, a large amount of generational wealth whether or not it is generational wealth that has uh continued since the middle ages or something um, right, right, you know, right. Yeah, I, have, I know. I don't get that impression yeah. per se. We're not talking about have, old money or something like that, but necessarily. But they have a large country home that's over a century old, certainly. But it's also in a village and has set property boundaries that we we explore. Right. Yeah, we're not talking in the estate yeah, or anything like. It's not a big I estate. Mean, yeah, it's it, it. Yeah, and like so that's why it's not like the main focus mentally for me either. It's just yeah. you sometimes get a you. I find myself getting a little bit annoyed when like we've got an economist, an artist, and a fucking sneaker factory like global sneaker conglomerate factory manager <laughs> yeah. talking about their the shit that they just and 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 occasionally kind of whining about their lives and it's not like yeah. not too bad. Like it, it's not really bad in that way. It, what it does, feel, what I will say about it is, is that this is one of those films that like it's very, it's well done. There's a lot, there's a lot of heart in it, and a lot of stuff like that. And but like, boy, two thousand eight was a long time ago, as it turns out. Yes, like you can feel the age of the film in that, like, what were the things we're engaged with here 
is like minimum one of these is a like I don't know. It's like these are these are to a certain extent partially the villains of the modern era. Right. 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 Now, mind you, I, he's an economist who says economy econ- economics is bullshit, which is great. I'm glad yeah. to see an economist like that in a movie. Thank you for right. movie for doing that. That's wonderful. I um, also it's it's part of making these people complicated and and rounded mm-hmm. characters within yeah. the narrative of the film. Uh, but I also appreciate things like when when the other brother is talking about the shoe factory. Uh, and and the sister calls him out on on slave labor right. shoes, um, and then his wife pops up about what she does. Oh, I know that what that's what really kind of like. Uh, I mean, it's very much on purpose. Let's be very yeah, clear. Of course, here. of course. Yeah, SAS is very much saying a thing right now, but like right, it still is right. like poof, it's like a light bulb going off. Like, yeah, it's like a it's like a flash bulb on, in the middle of the it. screen. It's insane. I love it so much because he's just gotten ta- done talking about the sweatshops he sets up in China uh, right. and his sisters called him out for it. And then his wife pops up about how, you know, I, I work, she volunteers with volunteers like, with the Christian community and there's just so much poverty. And then she really does give this knowing, almost ashamed look to her husband when she says the word poverty. Yeah. Well, uh, and then, uh, you know, and then, but like, you know, it's, it's very, yeah, I mean it. It's it is it is fascinating because we're definitely dealing with people who are very well aware of the how exploitative their their right right activities are right. Yeah, and like, but, and it's like, well, it's not much, but we tr- we do what we can. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, they are you're not wrong, right? Like you are. Yeah. He's not like the owner of Puma, right? He's not going to right. like magically convince Puma to stop making sneakers in like at slave wages, right? Right. But like, he is also a part of the machine that does that, right? Like right. you know, it's it's. And, it's and willing continue right? willingly continues to be part of that p- machine because it provides him a more comfortable life. Right. Uh, and, and 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 noticeably, like at the end of the movie, one of the, the 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 genesis of much of what happens later on, not that much later on in the film, is like not only willing continues is like buy, has to buy buys into it long term, right? Like, right. Oh, this is my new five year plan. Uh, yeah. Is to continue to help the exploitation of workers overseas. Um, yeah. To and, the point where I'm going to be so busy exploiting workers, I won't even be able to return to Europe for five years. But I will get a house in Bali, which made me. That's the part that actually really like it. it it's it's very true to life, right? Like nothing SAS is doing here is like not true to life. But right. boy, I don't want to meet this person in real life. <laughs> like 100%. I can't. I have met this person in real life because I've done yes. enough international travel that I've run into them, and these people are the fucking worst. Yes, because yes. they're very, very well aware of the world that they're engaged with, and have decided that it, it well, right. It's I have to accept that this is the way it is, and that this is what I'm going to do. Uh, right, because because of the jobs I have worked, I have I yes, have interacted yeah, yeah. with people like Absolutely. this. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and always always in the moment where they are in the process of uh, consuming to make themselves feel better or forget that they have a conscience about what their day job is. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really like, yeah, I and mean, it, yeah, well, it's, I generally run into them in the same position because if you travel overseas enough, you eventually yeah. are in bars with right. people. Not serving it them, is, but in bars next to the people who are doing this too. 
it is also therefore probably noteworthy that that's the guy who always is opening the bottle of alcohol in every scene. Yeah. Oh that yeah, there's for sure. Like in he's this movie. he's haunted by who he is. That's this yeah. is very clear. Like again, SAS doesn't not engage with this stuff. Like I, I'm not. Yeah. I don't. This is not one of those movies where I'm going to like lambast the fucking director. Like I, yeah. I get that he understands what he's talking about here. Right. It's just that, like, boy, I hate watching people like this on TV a lot, on movies a lot. They just annoy me, and so it's like... Absolutely understood. It's a little overwhelming at times. Like, it's the drama is very well done. I mean, and, and even... And the thing about it is, I will say, is that is that no matter where you fall in society, this is still a thing you think about as, you're, as you kind of move through life and you, you know, a new generation is born and stuff. It's like, even if there's every group of people passes things on to their family. Right. It just may not, it may not be in the form of like meaningful generational wealth. Like I, I have nothing. I have, I have one thing of value to pass on to my children and it's not a very much value here because of given the nature of like property systems in Japan. Like it's not of actually any meaningful value to them. Right. Uh, the land it's on is not even really of meaningful value, but like, you know, you think about your parents, my parents, like they don't really have any generational wealth that they're going to pass on to me. No. No. At this point, I think they're just trying not to pass on any debt to me at this point. That I is, think that's their main aim, right? That is. And so, uh, like, we don't have that, but this movie is engaged with a thing that they do think about, which is passing on, because it's represented here as wealth, but is still, like, there's generational memory and, and things that, like, right. parents want. Maybe none of the stuff your parents are going to give you is worth a damn in, like, money value. But it is valuable to them, and they want you to have it, right? They want you to be able to have it. And they're engaged with the fact that, like, well, they're going to have to get rid of most of it because it is of value. Right, right. And they, in this country, actually has a tax system that makes it, like, expensive to pass on things of value to your children. Yes, but also has a, has a loophole in that tax system. That, I don't uh, mind it that much. That I actually really love the French. I, the I French as, as loopholes go, I yeah. this is a pretty good loophole. If you have to, if you're the kind of, I'm not calling the people in this movie assholes, but if you're the kind of like rich asshole who spent their entire life accumulating, essentially, uh, most of the time, things that were stolen, but yeah. also just purchasing art. Like, it's kind of nice that, like, oh, well, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed that collection for your generation because we're going to give it to the people now. This is right, now the people's right, right. art. Yes. I like that as a system. It's a, it's a good loophole to have um, that they can, they can avoid the tax burden by just donating a bunch of art to, to the National Trust or whatever. Right. There's, there is something really beautiful about the idea yeah. of, like, you only get to own this privately for for a certain amount of time before your your family will have to donate it, and we will right. all get to see it. I, I, it's, a, it's a great loophole. I, if only. We all, right. all, all, uh, <laughs> all countries enacted that sort of loophole. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't too bad. One part that indicates this family is fairly well off across the board is that no one's really worried about the money in any of these conversations. I mean, they are They're, mildly, right? Like, yeah. we, we have a couple conversations. The, the Puma the Puma dude is talking about how expensive it'll be to set up two homes. Right, uh, to overseas, And how expensive uh, Beijing is. I mean, like, we don't need to get into that. that I mean, yeah, like, but yeah, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the feeling that even with I think it's that, more of it's a he's nice necessarily... Right. He doesn't want to sell all of mom's stuff 
in order to afford no, continuing no, certainly to live not. in Beijing. Like, right. He's definitely yeah. he is definitely well off like right. in the end of like before yeah. this happens. It's more just like it's kind of a pragmatic thing. He's he's sort of I think meant to be the most sort of pragmatic of the children. Right, right, right. Uh, the most sort of uh like He's certainly the one who's made the most overt compromises in his life. So. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I, you know, yeah, nobody seems to be in it primarily. The 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 main character, the, I guess, for lack of a better word, the main character, yeah, the Frederick, bro- the, the oldest, the oldest. Son. He he is making some financial decisions because he's like, well, we can't afford to actually like. We as a we right. me me be, is, we being me and my my family, his like yeah. direct immediate family, cannot afford to like keep this art yes but he's making the he's making those financial decisions under the duress of making the familial decisions of wanting wanting to hold on to all of it in order to honor the vague memory of his ancestors or the particular memory of his mother right yeah absolutely and 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 in the end it is it is fascinating that the decision they kind of come to is 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 an interesting one right it's like a sort of like all or nothing sort of decision. They basically yeah. get rid of everything, right? They almost don't hold on to. They hold on a little bit. I find it fascinating that the the one person who seems to hold on to something is the uh, the the housekeeper, right? Keeps a vase, one of those vases that in theory would have been one of the the ones sold, but is the it yeah. Uh, well, that's another interesting aspect is that when. When Frederick lets her keep it, he doesn't know how expensive it is. And then later, right. when he finds out how expensive it is, doesn't try to get it back, <laughs> which right, is nice. Right. Um, yeah, no, totally. I mean, well, it, it, it does go a long way to characterize the him as a character and, and, yeah. and sort of establish that this is not... Yeah. It, it's that... it The movie really is also, I think, Asaias is afraid of you hating these people. Right. Like one, he's right. really worried that you're not going that you're going to hate them, and it's understandable, right? Because we are talking about people who are like trying to decide how to to dispense with their dinner, their their pretty intense level of generational wealth, right? Right. It's right. very easy to accidentally make them even worse than they kind of are by nature. Yes. Again, I there, and he wants you to understand that these are just normal people and and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, it's and then you know him. Eating over, you know, eating lunch with his wife at the end is is a fascinating sort of. They have some interesting conversation. He's still lamenting those two paintings. Yeah, um, I mean, I would say that the most dramatic and, and probably the best part of the film is the absolute very end. Uh, I, the the family relationships are interesting to watch unfold and stuff, but watching yeah. the the granddaughter come right. to terms with like because it's it's not about any of that generational wealth stuff for her. Right. None of that stuff is of any value or meaning to her. Her and her brother have already dismissed it as essentially like I am not interested in any of these right, things. Right. But literally, she is dealing literally with the fact say that the, they're from another era, which is right. a, you know, the the movie's premise right, <laughs> positioned exactly, in the exactly. first ten minutes. Right. And 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 but she still is engaged with the idea that like she's at lashing out and stuff because her grandmother's dead, and that is right. the real meaning behind all this, right? Like, yeah. and the, the and you kind of get into a really very. It's interesting to have it all the way at the end, but have a commentary about the fact that like, all the children have decided to engage with this grief in discussions of the material objects, 
right that represent that grief rather than the actual grief itself whereas the daughter has engaged with the like is engaging with the the, the, the sort of the root thing that is right. the par- has- the thing that the parents can't quite touch because it's too painful right the she, thing that they're afraid that live wire they're afraid to touch she has she has in her moment transcended the uh material fetishism that exactly. keeps yeah, keeps absolutely. her parents the her parents generation from uh, yeah, even processing the grief they're feeling. Like right. even, I mean, they've decided to process it. I mean, I've watched it with my family. They've decided yeah. to process that grief through physical objects as, right. as, as, as sort of representatives of their, of their, of the deceased. Right. That grief, that grief starts before grandma even dies. Oh yeah. In, in every conversation, she starts to talk about, I want to get my affairs in order. And this is what needs to happen here, here and here with this object and this object and this object. And uh, Frederick doesn't want to have those conversations. His sister doesn't want to have those conversations. Uh, you know, his sister casually compliments, uh, you know, says, I've always loved the, the lily pad silver platter. And, uh, and her mom pivots to, well, of course, it'll be yours when I'm dead. And she's like, oh, no, that's not, that's not why I started, uh, why I mentioned that. Um, yeah. So, you know, everyone... Everyone in that generation is tied up in in the materialism and also in the just the busyness of capitalistic relationship. Obviously, with our our brother who works for the shoe manufacturer, but also you know, Frederick. Well, it's it, yeah. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. The the sequence in which uh, the mother dies off screen, the sequence in which mm-hmm. Helena. Uh, passes. We have the scene of her sitting in the dark at home, and has that conversation with, uh, with the housekeeper about how, once again, the kids have been here for a day and are gone now. Uh, and then we cut to Frederick in his everyday life, apparently as not not just an economist, but as as a bit of a public intellectual you know he's going on a radio right, yes, show yeah. to 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 debate his latest book uh and you know he's running around running around running around and then one of one of his tasks running around that day is uh a conversation with a clerk who is slowly revealed to be the owner of the cemetery that his mother is going to be buried in right. um and then he gets through that entire uh, economic consumerist aspect of death, right? Uh, and then has an emotional breakdown. Then he cries in the car, uh, and that yeah, just the whole way that processes is is beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but his daughter, yeah, uh, ending it. Yeah, there is. There's the March of the Youth aspect of this movie uh, in that, um, you know, she's, Sylvie is really the main character of the film uh, when we finally, you know, finally get down to it. You know, she's, she's the whole, uh, I mean, the, the script centers around her ultimately, right? right. Um, not just that we end with her, but. It is. It is her dealing with. Right. It, it is. It is different in the really sense that yes, comes and, into focus as the thing. 
Yeah. Right. It is different in the sense that, like, this is a movie not super obsessed with centralizing the, right, sort of the right, main right, right, character right, right. that much. Like, I mean, it it is sort of like it's her dad and her and a kind of a kind of a, a sort of back and forth because, like, I say this is clearly in, interested in engaging with that with that right contrast, right right. right. Uh, yeah. And so they kind of both they they kind of play a dual central role. We end with her very poignantly because he's making he is this is commentary right like right. Right. here's here's the person who is got the and sort of heart of it. it takes dad a lot longer to get to that point right right and it as takes we dad a lot longer to to grieve as we get to her having this party as her means of grieving the loss of her grandma and the fact that she'll never be in this house again uh that's the time where the movie starts to introduce more modern music uh even though the the actual last song we hear is uh is from 1967 not exactly <laughs> super modern music but it's <laughs> right, it right right yeah it is forward looking music from 1967 um the uh, incredible spring band's uh little cloud is what plays um and you know it's well, and it's certainly not it's not the sort of museum music that we've right, gotten right, right, quite right, a bit right, throughout right. the rest certainly. of the, the film certainly and it's you know it's an upbeat pop pop song it's uh i mean it's really sort of an experimental psycho folk <laughs> song in a right, lot of ways right. too uh but uh i really love the song uh i mean i i enjoy it. i had not i don't yeah. know that i knew it before but i did enjoy it yeah uh and that's that is a bit where it feels very wes andersony in that the the use of incredible spring band here feels like the kinks in uh well, any, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I get your comparison. I, right. I will, I will reserve judgment I don't, on that. I don't want to go down that route because I know right, how you exactly, feel about Wes Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, but the same, the same sort of use here as just the stand-in of young person music, even though it is something that is 50 years old or better. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that our director is familiar with as like... Right modern yeah well i don't know whether talking about anderson or assayas at this point they're they definitely recognize that this is not the music of today no 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 no, no. that's not what i mean is like is there's a tendency among directors to like what was modern for them when they were young is the things that they they engage with throughout their sort of direct 100 yeah Um, and of course as we move into the third act, we come into focus. Sil- Sylvie's lashing out, but also the movie is particularly interested in talking about how Sylvie and her dad are still very, very similar people. Uh, you know, when, when she talks about uh, uh, how he also smokes marijuana, and he's just like, well, I'm careful about it, uh, <laughs> in that I don't get caught by the police. Also, he he talked way too much to the police. Um, I made, yeah, I made a I mean, note about that. He, he about. made, he made classic <laughs> yeah. wealthy in a good position. dude mistake of like assuming that the police are not out to like fuck you over. Right, 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 uh, right. Um, I will say one other thing. There is a moment in the party where Sylvie totally bogarts, uh, a, a joint. Uh, that I also made a note about because <laughs> she, she walks in and there's two guys sort of sitting on the floor uh, and one of them one of them smoking and she says uh, want to share that is what it gets translated to you know can I have a hit or yeah. whatever 
and then he hands it to her and she keeps walking away with it passes it along yeah. to her friends who are walking away with her uh which which was very silly but also i i, I made a note that she she right, stole right. a joint which was yeah it's her party it's her house i guess she didn't really costa costa being there but whatever yeah uh, man i don't it's a very funny party in the sense that like everything that makes a party a party seems to be in relatively short supply right there's right, like right. one case of beer there's yes. like one joint it's like and like and somehow, what's happening here somehow a hundred teenagers have shown up it's yeah, like, I, I also find it very funny. I do not know anything about French property law, but the the idea that, like, the family's like, well, it's not our problem anymore. It's like, man, I don't know about... <laughs> if you destroy the house right before you sell it, seems like it's still your problem. Seemingly, seemingly right after they sold it. So, like... Well, like I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if it was, like, right... It, either way, it seems like, hmm, seems like it could be your problem. Uh, yeah. You might not want your children to destroy this house. Right, right, Just right, the right. thought. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, it's a very silly, it, that, that, the sort of setup for getting yes, to her emotional is, sort of like, this, like exploration is, is a little silly. It um, is throughout the narrative of this house that we get in the movie. It has always been a place of parties. Uh, right. it, we talk about the the dead artist and how he would have all of his artist friends over. And that's why all of that's how he has this collection of things. Yeah. Well, they just brought fucking inherited. armoires with yeah. them when they showed up for parties. Right, it's right, very, right. yes, yes. Uh, well, presumably he did buy the armoire for someone, but anyway, I, I know it's, uh, I'm just, it's yes. I, I'm, I, I like, joke, oh, I've been, like, it's strange. I've been working on this thing. Why don't you just keep it? Um, like that seems like a thing you do with works in process. Not a, not a fully yeah, built not a fine, uh, yeah, not a complete uh, thing. You just roll yeah. into a dude's house with like, yeah. hey, I've got this like, I've got I this you, desk in my in my truck. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't I really like want to take it somewhere. Do you want to yeah. keep it? Right, but that's what you do with shitty old beat up sofas, not like fucking like, yeah, handcrafted Art Nouveau desks. But whatever. Yeah, Sylvie is part of the family that actually still lives in France, right? Uh, but still, for her, this property is tied to uh, rare instances of interacting. Right, with they family. don't they don't get out to grandma the, to this house yeah. very often, right? Right. It's yeah. it's actually a little bit unclear. I I get by the end of the movie, I I come to understand it, but like I find at the beginning of the movie, it seems a little unclear whether or not even grandma lives out here full time. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it I, even kind of sounds like she's only out here for the summer. So it's, that it gives it this extra vibe of like, oh, like we all meet here every, x number of times a, a year, and like as the family has just sort of globally dispersed, we that's not even a thing anymore either, kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah which, also, which is interesting. It's an interesting thing to engage with. That like the globalization process has has beyond the sort of explicit cost we were that the movie engages with 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 regards to like exploitation of labor and a lot of things right. like, there's also like even within that family a cost to that right like yeah. this family is now like nebulized they don't they don't exist in one place anymore in any right. really meaningful capacity right the one sister very rarely gets back from san francisco the one brother barely ever gets back from from china it's right 
this process, the process that's at work here is also sort of destroyed the cohesion that exists in this family as well. With the pro- with the San Francisco trip that they make reference to as sort yeah. of the last thing the mother did. There's I mean, also, where she's murdered, you mean. Yes, where she's murdered, as you said in our introduction, uh, <laughs> implying that I have killed my own mother. Thank you. Uh, hey, I mean, as a general rule, you are you are the bad guy of this podcast. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. I I fully accept that. There's a a missing act of this movie that is all of Make Way for Tomorrow, basically, <laughs> on a globalized uh, yeah, yeah. scale too, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Where where they shift her off to the American sister for for a couple of months. Well, actually, I get the impression they all went. That's the weird yeah, thing. Yeah, that, like, that is actually it's the impression that the entire family shows up again in San Francisco for, I guess, a reveal of her new line. I don't know. It's a little... Yeah. I I find when they... She is, in many ways, the one that is most out of focus with right. regards to exactly what her role... It, 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 she feels like the one that the movie was most... had the most difficulty, like, painting... Not because yeah. the acting's bad or anything. It's just like it doesn't ever feel like they fully locked down exactly who and what she is per se. Right. Um, I mean, and yeah, artistically, she's someone who oh, uses, she makes corporate art, by the way. Like, I mean, right, she, right. Makes, she makes she makes cor- <laughs> right. She makes corporate art with not even with a really. mind to generations of of classic things. I mean, um, like, I I know the department yeah, store she theoretically works for. Yeah. They're a very upscale. Uh, right, right. Uh, Takashima ya is like yeah. an upscale department store that sells to very. I don't want to say very rich because there's always that sort of aspirational thing where like right. even normal people will get some stuff from there. They'll buy things as presents, but like it is a very expensive but department it, store. Yeah. It's like the Nordstrom they, or something, you know. Yes, and it is. And it is very worth noting that they also specialize throughout history. Because they're fairly old too. Um, they're one of those like major restoration department stores, I think. Uh, if memory serves, I don't really know a ton about them, but except for like you see their signs and you're like, oh, that's the fancy place. Right. Um, they they um, spe- have specialized for a long time, in my understanding, in like like import like things like this, right? Like, oh, well, we got this French designer to make this tea set, right? Like, don't we? Don't you, the fancy people of Tokyo and Osaka and these areas? Want to own this tea set by this very exclusive French artist? That kind, you know, that kind right. of vibe, right? Much, much as we will, dis- if we ever get into discussing the, the the Japanese parts of the art in the other direction, uh, in the documentary, uh, very much the same kind of thing, right? The sort yeah. of like, well, this is some this is some right. fancy art from overseas. I am, I am sure that there is a thought getting away from me to say this, Sorry. but it is. Is also therefore another thing Asayas is pointing out is that this this woman who has inherited uh, the artistic ideals, uh, or or not the ideals certainly, but has inherited the the talent, has this this family background of art, uh, is is making corporate things, and with. Uh, with Asaya's own background of a father who's a who's a screenwriter of of working, maybe maybe he's being self deprecating in in. It some might of what be. I mean, it may, well, I mean, when you talked about it being somewhat autobiographical, right? Like, yeah. What what I find really interesting though is not to like derail you on your derailment, yeah. 
I what I found really interesting is they in that documentary they get into the woman that they modeled her off of, who in no way shares a background with right, with right, 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 our right, character right. here is yeah. is in many ways polar opposite in every every capacity. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really fat. It, it's really fascinating. Really seems to, to be like, completely self made. Uh, yeah, yeah, really like yeah. It talks about her past a little bit, and it's like oh, like this these don't these two characters do not have very much in common. This woman makes the kind of art that you want your character to make, but it's coming from a very different direction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you know we get even for all of the the talk of her inspirations when we get the reveal of of the sample pieces that she's actually selling, and they're all just alabaster white, just nothing. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm I will refrain from making derogatory comments writ large about that kind of. It sells very well to very specific groups of people right. in very specific stations yes. in the world and 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 is but oftentimes finds its way into eventually into the secondhand shops in the area and stuff as like yeah. I, as it's also the first thing to get liquidated as soon as a family is like, mm, we don't really need this anymore. Like, that, you know, what's not liquidated is the hand as often liquidated is the handmade stuff yeah. like that like you know what I mean? Like that's kind of shows artistic intent a little bit more. I think there are many ways in which the Marley family maps onto the Bluths of Arrested Development, and Adrian is certainly Lindsay Bluth in so many ways about talking talking about uh, the horrors of the system that her brother is involved with, even as she is just right, another yes. version of that. Well, and uh, like, and even like, I find it, I found... Um, that there's the, part of their exchange about the exploitation of of workers is she points at her converses as those right, are as right, if right. those are not made also in the exact same way right and he even uh, says that right that's yeah his, no his yeah back. he totally like like right. it's it well, is I'm not wearing your pumas I'm not wearing your Nikes well you're wearing your converse and actually within years of this movie coming out uh, converse was bought by Nike so um, right well, there you go uh, <laughs> I mean there was a, at some point I remember as a child being told that Converse's were made in the USA. I don't think it's true by 2008. I don't think it's true by 2008. I am fairly certain it is not true today. Uh, but it was probably not true in 2008. If it's I don't think so, right? Right. Well, I'll feel bad if I find out find out later that it, it yeah. I don't want to is d- true. If, if we have accidentally disparaged... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The only good shoe listen, company in America listen, in 2008 listen. that is using union labor in America. I'm right. very, very sorry. There, there are there are ways we could be disparaging them, but certainly just the idea that they're they are American made is not a redeeming factor without without a whole lot of other stuff. Well, without going a bunch on of other there. stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, that is a that is a, that is also true. That that is also a leftover from my childhood, right? With right, like. Right. American made also, you know this, like there was a time when American made also meant carried with it a, f- a few other connotations. Like it's probably a union shop because it's a factory it, in I, the United States. It reminds and none me, of that is necessarily true by 2008. It reminds me of, uh, of the frequent uh, American made adjacent uh, labels. I feel like I run into, like I, uh, I recently bought some frozen vegetables that said uh, on the label, proudly grown on U.S. soil, uh, which is such a particular term that it really scares me about how they're shipping U.S. soil to some <laughs> some other oh, country. Well, yeah, so that I, they can... I assume it's more of the fate. Uh, I forget what it is like. Um, 
every so often it does around on Twitter where it's like where it's like grown in Mexico and then like packaged yeah. in Thailand or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and then, like so. somebody's like right. and somebody's like, Holy shit, the the journey that this like yeah. X frozen object took or whatever. Right. It's like it's probably just a reference to the fact that it wasn't even packaged in the United yeah. States. It was probably Another, grown here and then shipped somewhere else and then sold yeah. here. Another one of my favorite ones I, I ran across at Target many years ago uh, was a uh, pepper grinder with a salt shaker on top of it so that it was one okay. unit that contained pepper and salt. Uh, and it, it came pre-filled at Target, okay. and the packaging said... Uh, proudly filled in the U.S. That was so that they was. literally shipped the. Oh my yeah. lord! Yeah. That's that's an amazing one. Yeah. I I like your conspiracy for the soil one. I think it's far fetched, but yeah. I I would I. It is very funny if that is if your version of it is right is accurate. And somebody's like tr- like shipping huge quantities of American dirt to like some yeah. other country just to say that they grew it on American soil. That is amazing if that's true. Or have, or have somehow gotten an act of Congress to declare, to uh, declare some portion of some, some portion some, of this dirt, some other nation. Well, we're like, not, uh, we're not claiming the, the land. Sto- we're just, yeah. just, it's like dirt. getting, just the dirt. getting, getting the Pope to bless it or something. You've just gotten Congress <laughs> to do it. Frederick, Adrian, and Jeremy all have issues. Frederick, at least, is. Yeah. We see him coming to the head with those issues much more than we see. His siblings. Well, his siblings are not the main characters of the story, right? right? right like, right, I mean, right. just in the end, they're just not. They're there to provide sort of context more than anything. They're they're, they're relatively well fleshed out, given everything. Right, right. They are rounded characters, but, but they are they are they are. And I, context. I um, do particularly love uh, another scene. I really love is when after the funeral, Frederick comes in and says, "Well, obviously, you know, we're going to keep the house," um, and then the slow. Of that conversation yeah, yeah, of yeah. of Adrian and Jeremy not wanting to be confrontational, but also not not wanting to right, yeah, just let Frederick keep a house that they can't afford or, or right, are going right. to use or whatever. Um, yeah, and then, and then uh, you know that scene's sort of punctuated back with uh, with everybody's. Uh, uh, spouses sort of coming in and moving out as as tension rises and then uh ends with with adrian announcing it's like well i thought i'd have the biggest news of the day uh and saying that she's she's getting married again and then the two brothers cracking jokes about her disastrous first uh, right right. marriage uh you know it it all feels very natural to family dynamics yeah Totally. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it is a it is a very well acted movie. It is very understandable why this movie played very played played very well, right? Like, I mean, to us, but also to audiences in general. Like, I mean, it is a it's a good movie. It's a good right. movie. I mean, I may I may like at a, on a fundamental level dislike the people it's about in a yeah. lot of ways, uh, but like it is a very is a very real feeling film about real a real thing that. All as we talked about, all general, all people of all economic classes think about with regards to to sort of generations and things, and, right, right, and coming to terms with grief, um, and and yeah, it's it's you know, and and yeah, it, it it's very good. I I think across across class levels, that sort of 
memory tied to stuff still happens. I think even as oh you yeah, get, I think uh, as yeah. you get as you get into higher class levels, there's even more of just a relationship to the stuff and and a rejection. I think that's probably true. I will, you and I will will yeah. never know with regards right, right, to, right, right, right. to in with our own personal lives. at least. Yes. But, but yeah, I would I agree. I do believe that's true. These guys haven't reached quite that point yet. Right. I mean, they are engaging with the stuff. They are still somewhat engaging with the stuff as as sort of vessels for memories of right, right. their mother. Like, you know, we are we you know, when they see it in the museum, they are discussing the fact that it feels strange to see it not be like their mother's desk, right? Right. Um and, and so they are still engaging with it as as a sort of representative of their mother. Um and it's also true that in the other direction, right, the, the things get more sentimental and more, like, when they do are, when you are associating your grief with, with physical objects, it's oftentimes things that are kind of at their root, like, as I said before, like, financially worthless, like, right. but are, like, meaningful, like, you know, that's where you get into the sort of, you know, in my personal experience, where, like, we're keeping this spoon come hell or fucking high water, goddammit. Right, right, right. Like this, 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 this fucking cooking, like, you know, this uh, wooden, like, uh, spatula is going nowhere, goddammit. I will, I will, <laughs> that's, that's my personal memories is that in my right. family. It's like, the things we latch on to are, like, no, no human being on earth would associate them as being, like, financially valuable in any, right, in any right, capacity. Right. And that's, um, yeah. I mean that's my I I think particularly when my when my mother's mother died, mm-hmm. um, uh, the geographical distance between us and and her was large enough that uh, the person who had was in charge of the estate you know, um, had more of a financial relationship to the estate. Right. Right. Yeah. So much of the things that I or my mother would have wanted to keep, even small items, ended up dumpstered. Uh, oh, that's that's, with, a, that's really without a second thought because we weren't there to to have claimed them. Right, right. right. And you know they're small. You know, I, when I think of what I would have wanted kept from that house, it would have been a copy of a board game that we always played when we were there. Right. Um, you know, with my mother, it was uh, a. Uh, a set of Hardy Boys books that, that right, she read right. with her father yeah. when when she was a kid. Um, yeah. Well, and, and and I have to say, if I had to call something a little bit not, I don't want to call it unrealistic or anything like yeah. that, but that like I found a little bit um, felt out of touch with my personal experiences is my and and obviously you had experiences like this, so it's not like they're 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 not real. My grandmother had a habit of trying to give it all away before she yes, that is, she passed away. That is what my father's parents did. Right. Um and yeah. Uh and there's we see a little bit of that going on in the movie, certainly. Uh though though at no point does Helena just tell, say, Adrian to take the tea set now, right? It's right. All, and that that's where still, that felt a little strange yeah. to him. That, I mean again, I'm coming from my own personal experience. Right, right, right. Very for, much my personal experience. For me, for but me, my I, grandmother sure as shit would have made sure she walked out with that tea set in right. her hand. I would that not day. have left that day. Yeah. It would have been packaged for me and handed to me and hey, don't forget to grab that thing. Right. Uh yeah. Um Yeah, with my with my and my my father's mother is is my last grandparent to have passed and that was just a few months ago at this point. And yeah, they 
even even before she went into a home for the last six months or so of her life, uh, there was a concerted effort of getting rid of the stuff. But and I'm sure this is true for your family too. And I suppose there's an argument that is true for Helena as well. Getting rid of that stuff was also a decluttering of of the. Oh yeah, there, that's definitely true. Space. Like, I, I, you know, and everybody's experiences are different with this yeah. kind of stuff, right? Depends on your circumstances and things like that. Like, there's a decluttering element to it, and then there's also sort of the like, like, oh, there's a lot of nostalgia tied up in X, Y, yeah. Z, yeah. right? It's all kind of all mixed together, right? Um, I, you know, my my family went through a different thing. My my grandmother, my mother's side. Her husband had passed away before, I, you know, my grandfather had passed away before I was even born. Mm-hmm. So this process had already happened long before I even saw, like, knew anything about the world, right? Right. Um, but my, so I didn't experience that on that side of the family. I only ever experienced it on my, my other grandmother's side. And and even then, I, not, not to, like, say anything negative about my own family, I will avoid that. I had family members who were more caught up in the material elements of the things and, and we're concerned about claiming the things that were of quote unquote value. Right, right. That and that were is... that because she had a few like we didn't you know this is not a not a wealthy family, but there were right. there were things like that had even yeah that had that, that probably we're not talking like the, the fucking museum's not going to take them, but it's a you know right. this is a nice X with we should hold on to this with okay. my with my mother's parents. Um, it was. Uh, her father had had a coin collection and every every time he got a coin for the collection he got six coins for the collection one for each of his family and one for his wife symbolically perhaps but also with the intent of inheritance of something right, right. to have after he was gone uh and all of that got sold off uh yeah before before anyone could even say anything about it it was gone right uh and yeah and you know it's we won't get into the family politics of all that right there's always a family politics on the yeah on the flip side uh i mean even beyond the coin collection i i can't put a money value on the coin collection certainly it was not something i even ever remember seeing uh but uh, on the flip side, with my dad's side of the family, there's nothing. My my grandparents on that side owned nothing of value aside right. from their house my, and their cars. Right. So my like, the only things of value were it, much like this movie. Oddly enough, is like great grandfather furniture that was right. somebody had spent a little bit of money to buy something that was decently made. Yeah. Ex, you know, when they moved to America or whatever, or right, when they got right, their right. first good job, and everybody after that had spent a lot of time and energy to make sure that shit stayed in good condition, right? And and so like there was like a couple things like that, and of course there was a bit of a, a bit of a, a fight right, over that right. stuff, even stuff so that that like my family didn't end up because we lived too far away, didn't end up getting involved, right? In, but right, right, right. It happens. Like people do, even 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 in some even outside of the sort of up, you know, higher you know ranks of society, things happen, right? Like, and I mean, you could easily have that same fight over the as previously stated wooden cooking spoon, right? Right, like, right, right, right. If it has a, if it has a sentimental value to literally everybody in the room, who gets the thing that possesses 
while no monetary value possesses a great deal of sentimental value, right? I don't know where I don't know where to go with the movie from from no, that I conversation. Mean, I think though. we've engaged with, but like honestly speaking, I think I I feel satisfied with the discussion of the movie. I think we've engaged with what this movie is. Yeah. I think SAS does a very good job of of revealing the sort of dynamics of family and 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 generation and and dealing with with uh, grief and 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 really discussing how the different ways that people in different sort of positions in life deal with grief, um, especially between Frederick and his daughter and, and how, th- how differently they're grieving. Right. right. Um, I think and it's I, all, I think it, it, it's a very, it's very good. It's a very good movie. It is I, really fascinating that it was made essentially at the behest of a fucking museum. <laughs> it's right, wild right, to right. me as I suppose in some way also like backroom, like propaganda for the like, Tax loo system right, is right, fascinating right. too. Uh, I, I the the whole project is really is really fascinating. It's it's cool that like it's a blend of real art and and totally ad hoc made up art. There's a lot of really neat stuff about all that. I I find the whole thing it's a very fascinating. Like the movie itself is a very fascinating art project. Essentially, you know, it it, it just is. Um, I mean, all movies are, but this one feels different in character to a certain extent given its origins um and i i I really liked it i i enjoyed watching it It it's not it was not a boring movie or anything like that the family drama was quite good uh i did i got very nervous as we got into the early stages of this movie that i was going to maybe dislike the people enough that i would dislike the movie as a result because i am I tend to be overly sensitive to like the kinds of people that the movie. Right, 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 you know, right, right, right. The politics of the people in the movie start affecting my enjoyment of the movie as a as a whole. I think Isaiah does a very good job with that in making a and making them feel real enough that you don't just sort of that they don't just become stereotypes of the thing, sort of their place in society, but also of just like you know engaging with some of the the, the realities of that stuff, right? Um, it's also kind of interesting because um, both the uh, the two siblings that are that are the reason the house is being sold are also people who are essentially starting new lives in places with none of this sort of generational. Um, I don't want to call it baggage because baggage is is very negative in, in connotation, but like they're both essentially. One's in San Francisco, one's in China. They're, they they most likely have brought nearly nothing of their their past with them. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and it's those kind of, that kind of international move essentially resets your past to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I know from my own experience. There's also certainly an extent that uh I think more subtly the sister's grief is ex- expressed in the fact that she has decided to get married and Mm. thrown herself into her work enough to to have this new uh new entire line uh in the right, wake of right, the death right. of her mother um and there is there is something to the brother's decision to stay in uh china for yeah, another I think five years the, that is the not grieving process yeah. yeah it is not just this is a capitalist system and this is how i'm going to make money it is also part of the grieving process and part of I really have no more ties. I have no reason. Right. Yeah. yeah. If when mom you, is yeah, dead, totally. I don't have any yeah. reason to be in France anymore. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, and and my 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 brother is not a good enough. enough right. 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 That. Yeah. Which yeah. is not, which is true. Not so that they hate each other. Decisions like that. Certainly. Yeah. Totally. A hundred percent. Like it's. There's a there's a categorical difference mentally for most for a lot of people between sibling and and parent right yeah um, so it it looks like that particular tax law and the tax law it's interesting it's not just an inheritance law the isf is a tax on assets above a certain amount oh, of money that you can they kept talking about it yeah, in terms of inheritance tax. that you yeah well because a new generation is going to have those assets on top of their own assets i think right, is right. where inheritance comes in uh, but Sarkozy, Sarkozy did make modifications to the law in 2007, where uh, where uh, it may be. Uh, yeah, it looks like uh, <laughs> wow, it brought in 4.42 billion dollars or billion euro in 2007. Uh, which Damn. was a nineteen percent jump from the previous year, Damn. Uh, accounting for one point five percent of France's total tax income of the year. Uh, interesting. Um, so yeah, another. You mentioned it offhandedly about it being subtle propaganda for for that tax program, uh, which is interesting because it's another way it sort of compares to. Make way for tomorrow. That was that was sort of back. right, right, it's yeah, maybe absolutely. Even a little yeah, more I didn't think about that. Yeah, make way for tomorrow's being uh, social security uh, propaganda. Well, yeah, I mean, like they never named social security in, yeah. in make way for tomorrow, but they sure as hell named the tax law in this mo- in the movie, not just the supplementary materials, but the movie itself. The guys like the the fucking lawyers like, hey, you know, there's a law that will like let you not have to pay a shit ton of taxes on this, right? As though they're like making sure that the entirety of, of France is aware that like, hey, is that tax bill a little bit higher than you want it to be? Got any spare art hanging around? Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, it, it's I I don't know. It, I'm I'm deeply fascinated by this as a con. I'm I'm so wildly like fascinated by the idea that like, essentially, you could be wealthy and essentially have to choose between your super yacht and your Picasso. Right. The first- like, hey, you can only have one of these two things. Uh, we don't want the yacht. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. So. Uh, this is this is fa- the fascinating history of this tax law in France is that uh, the first version of this was implemented. It was one of the Socialist Party's 1981 platform measures, uh, and uh, and implemented uh, when they won, uh, and then Jacques Chirac's right wing government won in '86 and abolished it. Uh, but then lost three election in eighty eight and it was brought back and it has been it has been part of uh part of French tax culture since eighty eight uh in various forms. Uh very interesting. Yeah. Um, also uh, very, very weird to have used the word French tax culture. Uh that's a that's a phrase I never want to say again. <laughs> you thought you would you would uh, save your entire life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh maybe I will I will write a book about French tax culture at some from point now on at least one movie every six months in the Criterion of- collection will have some relationship to French tax culture yeah yeah I mean as as Frederick says in the movie that's the the sort of book that literally no one wants to read so <laughs> right 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 yeah I mean there's a I mean there's a whole suite of people 
in this world who's I that I am tangentially related to that's job is writing books no one wants to read. Right, 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 right. It's not entirely true. It's just that it's a very tiny swath of people that want to read it. And mostly they're gonna have to power through it because it will not be exactly a fun read. Yes. They'll Informative, make it. but not fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is a well crafted movie. It is a movie that feels real in all sorts of ways. Uh even even the dynamics of the board decisions at the library, I suppose it feels real too, if maybe a little more ornate than the museum's board meeting should be, in that they hit, he wheels out like six or seven exhibits of what right, they're talking right, yeah. about. I feel but, like uh, photographs would probably would have done the job, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's it's. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the only side note I have is like in the documentary is the is the part where the guy talks about the Japanese art and like yes, its interaction yes. with European art, yes. and it's my God, I don't think the man actually says anything accurate for the entire <laughs> time. I will basically, Are you? you're on your own. You can go watch it yourself. It's, I mean, he just, I don't know where what his expertise is. I don't know what's going on. I, he doesn't. He literally even gets like what things mean in in japanese wrong it's wild it's very like i don't know i don't know what i i, I assume the other people in the film talking about art are more knowledgeable about their category of art i don't know what was going on there I, it's it's a wild it's a wild portion i was just like cringing the whole time i was like what are we talking this is uh Man, and you know, I mean, multiple people throughout the film in that section make reference to the idea of discovering right. Japanese or Chinese art, which is already a, a turn of phrase that I'm hoping the French maybe it isn't as gross as the English that it's being translated I, into. Yes, uh, I don't know that it isn't, uh, but uh, but I hope that it is. Yeah, the particular way he talks about uh, the man who who discovered this work in Europe was was a Frenchman who. Uh, had just ordered something from Japan and it came wrapped in discarded papers with woodcut prints on it as, and it's which like, is kind of a fame, like um, yeah. Van Gogh famously just like learned about Japanese art through like some random discards in some right, like, right, cigar right, shop right. or something like right. that. Yeah. I, I forget the exact, I read the story at his museum, but like it's um, that, that was not an uncommon thing because it's worth noting that these woodlock prints were barely worth the paper they were printed on. Right. As far as like they are, they are mass market things that are produced Absolutely. for consumption. Mass market, right? It's like discovering a bunch of like used play. I'm not. It is actually kind of like discovering a bunch of used Playboys, but we can get into the discussion of exactly what the topics of woodblock prints yes, primarily yes. were, and with and their relationship to the the red light district in a different movie. Um, but. Yeah, it's kind of like discovering a bunch of like a bunch of like ordering a vase from like America and it comes wrapped in Playboys and you're like, I've discovered the peak of mo- of new of art. Uh, like it has been revealed to me. It's very fascinating because like even like the art that they're showing as an example of it, I find really fascinating. And I've heard this in other places before is um, the colors are really muted. And that's because it is a woodblock print that was cheaply made and shipped all the way across the earth. Yeah. And with organic inks. And, like, of course, by the time this guy got it, it had a very muted color. They were brightish fuck when they were made, okay? Right. 
It's like uh, I'm forgetting. Like there's, I've heard of other examples of this. Ha- oh, it's like the the marble statue problem. Right, 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 right. right. Of like I saw a marble marble statue that's been bleached in the sun for two thousand years, so I assume all the art is supposed to be bright white and not covered in paint. Well, woodblock prints are notoriously very bright. I mean, there are some yeah. that where an artist made a decision to make it kind of dark, but the colors tended to be pretty vibrant. And like this guy made like very muted. <laughs> brownish vases they're like because, because he got, as far as i could tell and i've and i've heard this with other artists because he the woodblock prints he saw were like well, garbage yeah like somebody had owned them for a while like had to like oh what can i wrap this shit in it's like yeah it's like discovering a bunch of used playboys and then deciding like somebody some accidentally threw away this incredibly valuable like super art and right. then basing your entire artistic like vision on the playboys you found um, I don't know. The French connection to to fucking blue block prints is always makes me a little bit feel icky on my skin. It's very ooh, feeling, and uh, this guy gets a lot of things just like dramatically wrong in terms of like facts. It's pretty amusing, I guess. Um, well, yeah. I'm I'm glad you were amused by one of the special features. It's very good. <laughs> well. It doesn't happen very often, but right. it does happen occasionally. We did. I mean. We did get a little bit into that uh, with the Hosakai is is the the guy who did the wave the great wave that that yeah we had a documentary on him that maybe was yeah a, um, a bonus I forget uh, who, I forget did, who that. did it though um, yeah I cannot remember uh, it was a Japanese director uh, yeah um, was it one of the we, it oh was, it was um, it was, was one of the bonus feature. features. It was one of the bonus features on the Teshigahara box set, I think. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, because like he did uh, like a, a speech, a feature on Hokusai, and he did one on like um like flower arranging and a couple right. Right. It was right. like uh these very like matter of fact um sort of documentaries, right? Right. We've we've talked about this a few times because it there, it it comes up often enough, especially with French uh film that we will engage with like Japanese art <laughs> is a sort of a, it's not like necessarily my area of expertise. I, I mean, I talk about it a little bit in class in more right. broad strokes or anything. So it's like, I mean like people that de- there are definitely bajillion people know more about it. Than right. I, right. But like, it may, it may not just, have actually been part of the Teshigo or a box set. Um, but a couple of months after that, we also watched his movie, Antonio Gotti which was about uh, the Spanish architect. And I think that there were the bonus features on that were more of his documentary work, if I remember correctly. So in any case, it was, it was definitely the Tejagari is definitely who, who directed what we're thinking about. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was (laughs) certainly a much, a much better way to approach that work than the French guy talking about it in the bonus feature of this one. In, in relationship to like French vases, it was very, yeah. it was just very strange. In in relationship to odd... French to French vases that look like someone smeared poop on them. To be perfectly honest, well, again, because somebody yes. didn't understand the right, right, the, the heart of what they were dealing with. Like it, I don't know, it's it's very much the marble statues in Greece phenomenon. One hundred percent. Well, on that note, I think we probably draw this one to a close. This week, we've been talking about Summer Hours from 2008, directed by Olivier Aceas. Uh, next week, we will be doing uh, a Western 
modern western, Ang Lee's Ride with the Devil from 1999. Look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.